Acts 10, 1 through 33. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he stayed. He sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him a second time, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a, a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Would you join me in prayer?
Heavenly Father, um, we come before you again just thanking you and praising you that, that we have your very words in our hands. Uh, we have your very words in our hearts and in our minds. And, and Lord, we thank you that we can gather um, to, to dig into your word together, that we can see what it is that you, you have for us to, to hear, what it is that you have for us to learn and, and to grow in. And so, Lord, we ask that um, as we do gather to, to walk through this text now, um, we ask that you, Holy Spirit, would speak to us clearly. Um, I ask, Lord God, for your help and that you would give me um, your words and your spirit and um, just allow me to be your mouthpiece. And I pray to Lord that you'd give each one of us um, soft hearts that hear from you and that are continually changed and transformed by you. Um, so Lord, as we, we gather and walk through this text, we thank you so much for Jesus and thank you for life in him. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, we all, we all have a history that, that shapes us and forms us, don't we? Um, just this, this past summer, um, uh, Avery, who just turned seven a couple days ago, um, had not had a fear of bees until this past summer when she was stung by a yellow jacket. I think a lot of us know probably children that have had that, right? There's no fear of a bee until you're, you're stung. And it hurts, and every time... Every time a bee or something with a stinger shows up, you kind of get freaked out, don't you? I think we, we, we have that experience with food, don't we? Some of us maybe have had an unfortunate experience with, with a particular food. And anytime we maybe smell that food being cooked or, or even maybe hear the name of that food, something happens in our stomach, right? It just, just doesn't go well. Um, some of us, maybe that's a name. I mean, I have a particular name in my head, which I'm not going to say. <laughs> that I remember one kid in elementary school, a kid in junior high, and a kid in Boston, that, well, a guy in Boston, um, who, this name, every time it comes to mind, just those feelings of the meanness of those. Yeah, if you want to say, yeah, I guess you could, <laughs> in a godly kind of way. <laughs> but that shapes, that shapes our, 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 uh, who we are, and our perceptions of, of people, because maybe there's a particular name that we associate, right? We have, we have histories, we have events, we have things in our history that do shape and form uh, who we are today. Uh, and we see that in our text today, as we just read of uh, a Peter. Peter has a, a specific history, uh, a specific upbringing, a specific, specific experiences that have shaped who he is and shaped uh, the person that he, he became. And so we, we see that in Peter today in our text, but we also see how God breaks through that, doesn't he? We see how God breaks through the barriers that were maybe in Peter's life that, that, that hindered him from living fully as a Christ follower in honoring Jesus. We see in our text that, that God orchestrates all these events to work in Peter's life, and, and he, 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 he does that in our lives as well, that God orchestrates and works so that we would, we would be people who are faithfully living as, as Christ followers. And the specific thing that we see today is that God works in us so that we'll be people who, who know and who live out the truth that the good news is for everyone. That the good news, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus has come to save and to redeem is for all people. As, as we're walking through the rest of Acts, uh, our, our theme for uh, the rest of our sermon series is 
the mission statement of the church, that we seek to passionately proclaim the glory of God in Christ for the joy of all people. And, and today we kind of get to look uh, specifically at that all people part in the very end. To passionately proclaim the glory of God in Christ for the joy of all people. That the good news, the gospel of Jesus, is for all people, is for everyone. And so we'll see that as we walk through our text. I pray and I pray that uh, God will push us and encourage us. And, and as we walk through, we'll, we'll split the passage up into kind of three sections. Um, not because that's a good three-point sermon, but just because it breaks up well. Uh, we'll look at verses 1 through 8 uh, first, and then 9 through 23a, and then 23b to, to 33. Um, but as we come to our text right away in verse 1, we, we meet uh, the first character in our, our, our narrative this morning. We meet Cornelius. And we read that uh, Cornelius was uh, a centurion uh, in Caesarea. Now, now Caesarea um, is not the Caesarea Philippi that we've maybe heard in the Bible before, but it's, it's Caesarea Maritima. Kind of a fun word to say, isn't it? Caesarea Maritima, which is literally Caesarea by the sea. Uh, Caesarea was on the, the western coast of the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, and Caesarea was the, um, the administrative headquarters of the Roman army. It was the, the, the central place of, of the Roman division where they, where they, they were headquartered. And, and we see there that, that Cornelius is there and that he's a centurion. As a centurion, um, Cornelius would have been um, uh, the leader, uh, the commander of about 100 men. Centurion, 100, just like century is 100. And so he, he's the commander of about 100 men. And, and, and as, the, as a commander, as a centurion, uh, he, he would have uh, fit into an elite and social class. Uh, he would have been, been known as a, a well, would have been a well-respected uh, individual, a well-respected leader uh, in the community. And so we meet Cornelius, and, and we meet uh, Cornelius that, that he's a devout man who feared God. Cornelius is a devout man who, who feared God. He's, he's a Roman, and, and he fears God. Even though he was a Roman, and even though he grew up in a, in a pagan environment, um, undoubtedly surrounded by the worship of pagan gods, like, like uh, Augustus or Jupiter or Venus, Cornelius was a devout man who feared God. He, he rejected the, the, the idols, the false gods of his his people and his culture, and worshipped the one true God. Cornelius was a devout man who feared God. And as a, as a devout man who feared God, he, he sought to please God and to please him alone. He sought to please God rather than his culture, rather than uh, approving the false gods. And, and in seeking to please God, he had a heart for, for others, which, in, which flows over into his giving of offerings to help Jews who are in need. Cornelius sought to, to give, gave alms. And as a devout follower, we see too in our text that he, he continually prayed to God. He continually worshipped and prayed to the, the one true God. And so Cornelius is a, is a pious centurion, which is a, a, an anomaly in such a secular culture uh, as, as Cornelius was immersed in. And we see in our text that God gives Cornelius a vision. God gives him a vision. Uh, we see that Cornelius, this vision comes at about 3 p.m. Uh, he's praying at about uh, 3 p.m., which would have been a typical time of, of prayer. 
the, the three times of uh, ritual prayer would have been uh, early in the morning at 3 p.m. and then uh, at sunset. And so Cornelius gets this vision at, at 3, uh, 3 p.m. And we see that this angel shows up to Cornelius. And Cornelius, as we often see in Scripture when angels appear, is absolutely terrified, isn't he? The, the, the phrase there that he, he stared in terror. And this angel comes in and tells Cornelius that God, God's noticed Cornelius, that God's heard Cornelius, God's received and accepted his worship, his, his giving of alms and his, his prayers to God. And this angel comes in this vision to tell Cornelius to, to send men to Peter in Joppa and to bring them back to Caesarea. Now, Joppa was about 30 miles, about 48 kilometers south of Caesarea. On the southwest uh, coast of the Mediterranean Sea is where Joppa, Joppa was and is just south of modern-day Tel Aviv. And so the angel tells Cornelius to send men to get Peter who's staying there and to bring Peter back. And we see in our text that Cornelius obeys, doesn't he? This devout, God-fearing Roman centurion obeys. And so he does that. And then in verses 9 through 23, we see another vision. We see another vision that ha- happens to Peter on, on a housetop, on the rooftop. Remember, P- Peter is, is staling, staying with Simon the Tanner. We saw that at the end of our text last week, that Peter's with, with Simon the Tanner, who's, who's uh, uh, an unclean person in the sense of the fact that he dealt with um, dead animal skins, uh, which was not considered uh, clean or proper or, or pure. But Peter's staying with him. And so while he's there, uh, he makes his way up to the rooftop at about noon. Uh, the rooftops uh, in, in the ancient world uh, were flat and was, was considered another living space. And so while Peter's staying with Simon the Tanner, uh, it would have been a place for him to, to get away from kind of the, the busyness of what's going on downstairs. And so he seeks to get away from the busyness and goes up on the rooftop uh, to pray, to get some privacy. And while he's up praying, he, he becomes hungry, doesn't he? We see in our text that he becomes hungry. And while he's hungry, this vision comes to Peter. And we see that there's a great sheet with four corners that's, that's brought down before Peter. And on it, we see a buffet, right? It's a buffet all laid out on this, this sheet. It's a buffet of all kinds of animals to eat, cows and sheep and doves. But also, there, there's food like pigs and reptiles, buzzards, lobster. We see this amalgamation of, of clean and unclean uh, animals that's brought down on this this sheet. Now, there were specific foods that, that Jews weren't allowed to eat. Uh, Leviticus 11 is one of the passages that lays out a number of them, and obviously there's many others in Scripture too. But there are many foods that Jews were not allowed to eat to keep them separate from their, their pagan neighbors, is to separate them, to keep them uh, apart, to not, to not uh, be associated with uh, their, their pagan neighbors around them. And so this, this buffet uh, comes down in front of Peter. And, and the voice says to Peter, go ahead and eat. Go ahead and eat. There's a buffet in front of you. 
And Peter objects, though, doesn't he? He objects because there's unclean animals there. They're unclean animals. Peter's a, a faithful Jew who's followed the, the Jewish dietary laws to a T. He's not ever eaten what's, what's impure or what's undefiled. And this shows that he's, he's separate from the pagans around him. And the voice then tells Peter not to call what God has made uh, impure or unclean. To not call what God has made common. It's not ritually unclean. And this vision happens a total of three times to Peter. He sees, he sees this happen three times. And while, while Peter's confused and trying to figure out uh, this vision, what it means, um, Cornelius' men come to the house looking for Peter. Uh, they come to him looking for him. And, and in that moment, we see in verse 20 that the Spirit tells Peter that there, there are men there to see him and that he's, he's to go with them without hesitation. Uh, now, the, 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 the Greek for this word, without hesitation, the Greek word literally means without um, distinction, without differentiation, and without judgment. Those three words are wrapped up in that, in that word. And so the Spirit tells him to go, go down to these men without judgment, without distinction, without differentiation. And Peter obeys, doesn't he? Just as Cornelius obeyed, Peter obeys. And he goes downstairs to these men, and these men tell Peter why they're sent there. They kind of recount the story again to Peter of, of Cornelius' vision. And Peter then invites these Gentiles in. He invites them in into the home of, of Simon the Tanner. And D.A. Carson, I think, rightly says that Peter's already understanding the vision since Jews normally wouldn't uh, stay under the same roof as an unclean Gentile. We're already starting to see what, what the meaning of this, this text is. See, Peter's understanding that his vision uh, he's just had isn't about getting rid of dietary laws, right? He's beginning to understand that this vision he's had is not about food in and of itself. His vision shows that God unites all people together in his church. God unites all people together in his church. The, the, the Jews would be represented by the clean animals and the Gentiles, non-Jews, would be represented by the unclean animals. We're all a part of God's family because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross to save and redeem. And so then in verses 23b, the second half of 23 to 33, we see that again Peter obeys God and, and the next day he goes right away with uh, uh, Cornelius' men 30 miles back to, back to Caesarea um, to, to go to Cornelius. And as he goes, he brings along other brothers with him. I think it's interesting that, that Peter brings others with him to, to see and to witness the work uh, that God is doing. And we see that when Peter makes his way to Cornelius' house, he enters and Cornelius falls down and worships at his feet, doesn't he? But Peter doesn't let him. Peter tells him he's just, he's just a man himself. And we see that Cornelius has, has invited a number of, of people there, family and friends, which, which likely would have included a number of Greeks, a number of Gentiles, and a number of, of Jews as well. And then in verse 28, which is really the, the crux of, of our text this morning, Peter says this, that God has shown me that I should not call any person common 
or unclean. I should not call any person impure or defiled. See, the separation between uh, Jew, clean, and Gentile, unclean, is being broken, isn't it? The barrier between Jew and Gentile is being broken. It's being broken because of the fact that we're all created in the image of God. Amen? We are all created to be God's image bearers. We're all created to reflect God. We're all created to point to God, to glorify God, to honor God, to worship God. And this is a huge thing for Peter to say out loud. Peter, a a faithful, devout Jew, says this out loud, that all people, Jew and Gentile alike, are created in the image of God to live for him and to honor him. The ethnic division between Jews and Gentiles often led to violence in this time period. Ethnic division often led to violence, but God. Amen? But God. God God broke through that barrier by going to the cross. Jesus came to save and redeem Jews and Gentiles alike. Amen? Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, there is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Greek. Amen? Jesus came to save Jews and Gentiles alike. Jesus came to save, he came to save Jews. He came to save Romans. He came to save Europeans, Asians, Africans, Australians, North Americans, South Americans. Amen? Jesus came to save farmers. came to save loggers came to save fishermen and dentists and doctors. He came to save teachers and receptionists and waiters and waitresses. He came to save cooks, mechanics, contractors, students. Amen? Jesus came to save husbands. He came to save wives. He came to save fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins. Jesus came to save extroverts. He came to save introverts. He came to save funny people. He came to save serious people. Jesus came to save rich people, poor people, short people, tall people. It's not Dr. Seuss, but it's true. Are you short? Are you tall? (laughs) Do we believe this, brothers and sisters? If we do, our hearts will reflect it. Amen? Our hearts will reflect this truth. I mean, I I love the beautiful mixture that we are as a church. Amen? Different, different backgrounds, different histories, different ethnicities, different occupations and different interests, different likes, different dislikes but we're all united by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're all united by God's love for us, God's love for all people. And praise God that he saved us and that that we, brothers and sisters, we get to worship him together weekly like this. We get to walk through life together in our shepherd groups as we work together, as we serve together, as we play together, as we pray together. We get to walk through this life together with our beautiful mixture that we are as saved sinners 
by Jesus Christ. God, God shows Peter in our text today that, that Jews were not to consider Gentiles as unclean or profane any longer. Uh, Kent Hughes says the four corners of the sheet in the vision correspond to the four points on the compass, north, south, east, and west. The sheet's contents indicate the swarming millions that populate the earth. Do we see those around us as potential heirs of grace? Do we, brothers and sisters? Do we, do we allow barriers to get in the way of our, our sharing the good news with everyone? To get in the way of our, our sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with all people? Or do we let barriers like education get in the way? Or barriers like the way people dress? Or, or barriers of the way people speak, smell, or a particular name, Right? Brothers and sisters, do we want to see God's church grow? May we be people who, who freely and generously share the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone. Amen? May we be people that, that continuously point to, to our need for Jesus, that we are all people who are desperately needy for Jesus Christ, that we are sinners that, that are in need of, of uh, uh, redemption, that are in need of restoration with our great God, and that Jesus came to save and redeem you, and he came to save and redeem me, our neighbors, our, our classmates, our co-workers. We are all saved only by the work of Jesus Christ. You see, Peter was, was deeply embedded in his Jewish upbringing, but God opened up his heart and opened up his eyes and his understanding. May he do that to us as well. Amen. May we know that we're all desperate, needy people for a good and great Savior, Jesus Christ. H.A. Um, Ironside uh, was a pastor. He was born in Toronto in 1876. Uh, he pastored Moody Church in Chicago uh, from 1929 to 1948. Uh, he said that when his father died, um, this passage kept running through his head. And his father kept repeating, a great sheet and wild beasts, and, and, and he couldn't remember, and he would continue to repeat that. A great sheet and wild beasts, and, and until at one point a friend uh, leaned down and said to him, John, it says creeping things. And he said, oh yes, that's how I got in. Just a poor, good-for-nothing creeping thing. But I got in. Amen? We are poor creeping things. Amen? Each one of us. Desperately sinful, desperately needy, regardless of our background, regardless of uh, the characteristics that we have, Jesus has come to save us. The common characteristic we all have, all people, is that we're naturally sinful people who are in desperate need of a Savior. And that Jesus has come to save us. And he's come to save each person that walks on the earth. All we have to do is share. All we have to do is be grateful for the salvation that we have in Christ so that we will be people who share the good news of Jesus. So that we'll live God-fearing, worshipful lives. Amen? God could save a, a Roman centurion 
like Cornelius. He can save us. And he can save our friends. He can save our neighbors. He can save the people around us in Port Alberni and beyond who are desperately in need of life and salvation. The gospel's for us, brothers and sisters. Amen. And for everyone, God brings across our paths. May we not see any barriers, brothers and sisters. Amen. May we not see any barriers. But may we know and live the truth that the good news is for everyone. The good news is for all people. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you have saved us. Lord, we, we know and we confess that we are, are, are desperate, uh, needy people. Uh, we are people who, who far too often, um, we are not full of the gratitude that we should be, that you've saved us. And we're far too often um, not people that are, are just generous and free in our sharing of Jesus Christ with those that you put across our path. So Lord, we, we ask that you would just even now reveal to us um, any barriers that we might have that might prevent us from, um, from sharing Jesus with the lost. We ask that you would remove any barriers that we might have um, from, from other people, whatever they might be. Lord, we know and we confess that they, they're often different for all, uh, all of us. So we ask that you would show us. We ask that you would work that over in us. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would make us um, just soft to you so that we would, even as we saw in our text, be obedient to you, just as Cornelius was, just as, as Peter was. Lord, help us by your Spirit to be people living faithfully for you, living faithfully for your word. And we thank you and praise you that um, because of life, or because of Jesus, we have life in you. Uh, Gentiles like us, all of us with our different backgrounds. We thank you that you've saved us, Lord God. Um, grow our appreciation and our love and our gratitude for what you've done. So Lord, as we worship now, uh, as we sing in response, help us to have hearts um, that are thankful and grateful that you give us life. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.